Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. Oh, Olivia, do you know what's getting me through um, this week is the fact that when this record comes out, it will be February and no longer January, which seems like impossible. Hasn't it just been nine weeks of pure January at this point? (laughs) It absolutely has. I mean, everyone always knows January goes on for a very long time, as it always does, but obviously, for obvious reasons, um, because of the circumstances, this is a particularly long January, and I am ready to see the back of it. My my dad last night was like, oh my god, it's it's nearly February, like, sort of, dis- almost sounding disappointed, and I was like, aren't you fine about that? <laughs> I was like, I'm fine yeah. about that. <laughs> Have you also heard that not only that, but apparently um, we are losing time like the days are getting shorter up to the point that scientists want to shave a second off every day oh yes no I had heard about that it's um quite alarming uh in a sense but I mean we've said it before we'll say it a thousand million times again what is time so you know fine take if it means less of this then take it if we can have it they could take it now give it back to us when everything's a bit more normal (laughs) yeah I'd like a sort of like borrowing system yes that appeals to me that appeals to me very very much um yeah so we will we can maybe we can do some bartering with the scientists and see what they'll what they'll give us (laughs) uh okay emails (laughs) so Olivia what have you been up to what are you living and longing for this week well, Lucy, um, what am I living and longing for this week? So um, this one is a funny one. So do you have like anybody on the internet that you've like followed for ages? Yeah. Like 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 people, you know? Yeah. So before even Instagram started, um, I used to read this blog that I still read, which is like a sort of home lifestyle blog, whatever. And um it's these two sisters that run the account and um one sister I mean you've heard me go on about them before she went on to adopt a couple of children and following all of them and their cute outfits and their like cute times and then the other sister um didn't have any kids and I think had had wanted to have them for a while but then was like going through a bit of a difficult time and throughout um quarantine and lockdown in the US had actually um broken up with her husband and um was like living separately in like one of their houses that they own as part of their job I think like going through quite a difficult time but because I've like followed them for ages I feel like I know them and they have this podcast where they like talk about what's going on in their lives and stuff and anyway, they said that there was going to be like a big announcement. And obviously, like, there's no goss in lockdown at all, like nothing happening. So when something happens that like could potentially be like quite joyful or interesting, it's like such a treat. And um, anyway, um, just before, um, basically what has happened is, is that she has announced that she is pregnant and um she's like separated from the dad so it happened like just before they broke up but she is like absolutely like the most buzzing about it because she's like wanted it for ages and it's kind of happened in difficult circumstances maybe but it's just like the happiest ever and I was so pleased for her so um I'm just living for the fact that like she's having a baby and she's absolutely buzzing and um I just think how nice 
Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I think um, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like with people who you've followed on the internet for years and years and years, when they have big news and stuff, it does almost feel like it's happening to to you, to a friend of yours. I, I think I feel the same about like, you know, like podcast hosts, podcasts I've listened to for years and stuff. And then when something happens, it's like, oh yeah, nice. Good for you. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's sweet. Very lovely. I know, thanks. And I am longing for our watch along session at the weekend of My Grandma's a Lesbian on Netflix, which we mentioned last week. We still haven't watched yet, but we have made an appointment to view. And, you know, at the moment, I'm just really clinging on to any kind of thing that sort of vaguely sniffs of an event. Like there's a vague whiff of event about it. Um, I'll be there. So um, I'm longing for that in the absence of like, anything real to long for so um yeah that's what I'm longing for this week how about you what are your livings and longings for this week um yeah I mean I too cannot wait to watch my grandma's lesbian and see what that has to bring and uh, yeah a nice little social event uh, always always good you know we've got to cling to these things haven't we the little things um I am living for right basic basic as basic as anything but um it's been nice. I'm I'm living for the snow that we've had at my parents' house over the past week. You know, I think a lot of people this year, there's been, you know, a bit more snow than maybe we sometimes get in the UK uh, and, well, in England particularly. And I think that, like, everyone has been like, oh, my God, a thing that's happening. We can all, like, put a picture of it on our, you know, Instagram and everyone is uh, involved in this one thing. Um, and, you know, snow does have, like, a sort of... Uh, there's some sort of romance to it isn't there I don't really know why that is but but it is uh, the case and we had at my parents house on Sunday uh, it sort of started to like lightly snow and we thought we knew there's gonna be some snow and then it just came down like I have not seen for so long uh for like six hours and we had like a like a foot of snow in places like amazing huge deep snow um and it was just so sort of like for want of a not so obvious word like magical I went for a walk in it and like I I love the way that snow sort of like deafens sound like everything sounds sort of quiet and like peaceful um and yeah it just was so it's just really beautiful when it snows (laughs) so um yeah I just was living for that it was a nice sort of um and like we say it, it, it was a point of difference it was you know I'll remember this as the week when it snowed. So yeah. it, it was a thing to happen. Um, a dear diary moment. <laughs> absolutely. So I was living for that. Um, and I am longing for, not really for it to snow again, because as we all know, after snow comes ice and we're not fans, <laughs> if anyone's no, listened to this nice. podcast. Um, but what I'm longing for is... Um, I have um, landed myself a little temp job, um, which will be starting in the next month or so, uh, which I'm very pleased about. Um, Just, you know, something to tide over the time and uh, make a little bit of money, which, you know, isn't always nice. And um, I will be coming back to Manchester to do that. I mean, it is remote, but I just think that that is the place to do it. Um, So I am longing to be back in Manchester and sort of be as close as possible to my life um as an adult human so um and you know you I'll be able to say to me but I include myself I, in that well, I was about I was about to <laughs> okay, right, no, forget forget what I just said just carry on <laughs> um and to be close to my dearest and nearest friends including yourself 
<laughs> and you know hopefully we can do some outside far away freezing cold walks and stuff so uh yeah i am longing for that i think it will be uh hopefully a good thing um so yeah that's my living and longing and whilst we always agree with a lovely snow-capped scene there are things unfortunately in this life that lucy we don't agree with because it's time for i don't agree with it another week another i don't agree with it so lucy over to you what is it that you don't agree with this week uh so right i mean i've been struggling recently to think of these um i've 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 gone through a couple of historic ones um and a couple of presented them to myself and i used to have i had a list and i was going through them and i found myself without anything on the list and was very worried i wouldn't actually be able to come up with on for today's record but then i was reminded of something that i absolutely do not agree with incredibly (laughs) trivial but (laughs) i don't agree with and this is like a new trend in the past couple of years um i don't agree with uh oh god like restaurants or food kit companies or um, various food-based providers referring to basically anything apparently that they want as street food when it's just you know like some sort of food that maybe there are street stalls of somewhere or it just seems to be it's this like new word for like trying to say that some food's like interesting and like you could maybe like maybe get it from a truck but it just is such a like, I just find it so like, I don't know, it really, really, really annoys me because <laughs> it's just like so, like, why does it have to be called street food? It's not street food if you're getting it in your like gusto box, is it? It's just like some food. Like it's 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 not street. And even like street food is not like technically street food unless, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but like, you get all these like I mean I haven't been to one for a thousand years so I can't even remember but you know like you get like food halls and they're all like oh yeah these are all serving like different street foods and it's like no you're not you're just serving a type of cuisine within like a hole like like it's not it's not street food <laughs> and I think it's like tagged on to food to try and make it sound more exotic or more like exciting when I just think it's uh just not and um it just annoys me a lot so that's what I don't agree with <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not only that. It's just that it's it's inaccurate as much as anything else. Exactly. Yeah. So I just think uh, I think it happens quite a lot in like food um, words are sort of like like you know like how people say gastropub all the time for something. Yeah. A pub with like like, some nice lights. Like no. Giving it a sense of like faux gravitas. Yeah. Um, And I I just I don't need that, so I don't agree with it. Um, Yeah. What do you not agree with this week? (laughs) well mine is maybe um well that is annoying and um also I think speaks to um some more like if we if we take it back to its like original essence uh racist undertones probably it's Um, like it's 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 an appropriation definitely within food culture yeah I agree yeah yeah and and profiteering off of something that like has nothing to do with you and your inverted commas street food. So I suppose when you boil it down, it pro- it is um, kind of when you boil it down to its essence. That's that's what it is saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and I don't agree with it. Okay, so this week my I don't agree with it. Um, surprisingly, Lucy comes from the sun. <laughs> is that it? is that the end? 
<laughs> I also well, agree with it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, this this week, um, so it's been doing the rounds on social media. You might have already seen it, but it it originated from a tweet um, that someone called Freaky Chris underscore D wrote, and um, it's called Spot. The caption is Spot the difference. Hashtag It's a sin. Hashtag Bridgerton Netflix, and it's a side by side image of um a promo that was on the sun website so um it's to two articles side by side the first one is for it's a sin and the headline reads in capitals so much sex it's a sin viewers shocked by drama's explicit sex montage with raunchy threesome and oral sex and then on the other side there was bridgerton history buff the period dramas with the hottest sex scenes ever from Bridgerton's steamy oral sex to Versailles endless romps. So if we look at those, obviously, um, back to back, um, the It's a Sin one references words like explicit and shocking. And then on the Bridgerton one, um, the same kinds of scenes are deemed steamy and hot. So um, it's just kind of about how those different um scenes depicting the same thing essentially are um are reported on and are kind of framed by by the media so um i thought that was particularly interesting and um i don't agree with it yeah absolutely we do not agree with it i mean it is just homophobia straight up like there's no you know like stepping around it like it, it and it's just so frustrating to still be the case but (laughs) well I think I think it relates to what we were talking about last week where Mm. we were saying that you know depictions of um queer sexuality are often like positioned as being really sort of othered and transgressive and um you know so sort of existing on the fringes um whereas Bridgerton is like really sort of centered and um you know described in loads of public publications as being like a steamy romp like with language that you know is a little bit maybe sort of suggestive or fruity but is entirely kind of like safe and um recognizable so i think um yeah it's just so it's just so painfully obvious and um disappointing especially when you see those um two screenshots lined up next to one another it's just really um it's really stark so i think that you know people need to have a word with themselves about how they are um how they're positioning stuff like this i don't know whether it's like more media training or what needs to happen but people just need to engage their heads and um yeah, yeah, I, I think it, I think it, I think it speaks to the fact that there is, you know, still uh, it's uh, like whether it's conscious or unconscious. There's a lot of I think bias. It's, I think it's unconscious, and that's sort of the more depressing thing about that it. is more dep- yeah because it's so deeply set into the yeah. institutions and into the yeah into yeah. media and into you know what it's this, people's it's mindset. This, deep, this deeply rooted rhetoric that has just become so normalized. Um, and that is, like you say, um, the the depressing aspect of it. That actually, um, they were probably shocked to be shocked to be accused of that. And that is 
sort of the worst aspect of it because it's gone so under the radar because that language is just so um inherently associated with how media depicts um queer storylines or queer um news news stories or anything that's to do with something that's out of the realms of like heteronorm heteronormativity so um yeah that was that was difficult to see today but um I don't agree with it and I will never agree with it thank you so much yeah god it's so annoying and also we forgot to um cover this last week but um, I'm sure everybody already knows this already, but the um, Dance Mum star and um, social media icon Jojo Siwa um, has come out recently in a couple of videos. Did you see those? I did. I watched um, the videos to get more of a sort of like uh, overview of what was actually happening. Because I don't like I, I've always known of Jojo Siwa, but I don't really I didn't really understand like who she actually was or what she was doing. Apart from there was just a lot yeah. of color. Um, so I think, like, unless unless you have a seven year old, then yeah. you might not. Know. Exactly. But yeah, no, her videos were super sweet, um, very nice. Uh, she seems to have uh, had an outpouring of love for her coming out. Um, she hasn't specifically labelled herself, but she's like discovering who she is and she feels very happy to be part of the community. Um, and I think that, that is a really nice thing to be celebrated, definitely. Yeah, and I was watching um, a TikTok um with a mum and daughter where the mum was sort of explaining what had happened and then the little girl looks to her mum and says oh she's like me so she was obviously she obviously didn't have any kind of role model or anyone that she could kind of relate to in that way but was having you know those those feelings and you know allowed her to have a space where she was able to like talk to her parent about that so I thought that was that was really sweet so yeah um yeah I think that you know it's, that is a very good depiction of showing the power of uh what coming out can do if you're someone in the public eye um which is really nice to see um I did also see that um someone had uh like a mother had posted on one of her like videos uh, something like my daughter will never watch you again. Um, to which uh, Jojo just replied, "Okay!" with an exclamation mark. <laughs> I just saw the perfect like retort. I love a like good social media retort. So uh, yeah, no, she's she's definitely a positive role model um, for kids, and um, yeah, I'm pleased for her that she's uh, that she's come out. Yeah, it's like um, the Trixie Mattel clapback. So um so back in the day when donald trump was still on twitter um he tweeted they are finding biden votes all over the place in pennsylvania wisconsin and michigan so bad for our country and then trixie mattel responded and said mary they found them in ballot boxes from voters pack your shit <laughs> and then and then this woman called patty writes back and puts who the fuck do you think you're talking to and then trixie responds and just goes Patty, don't start. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the like, I love uh, a social media um, clapback. I think one of my favorite ones is that people always use is just like, you know, in response to something that's like, they'll just retweet like an article that's something really like terrible or something that they don't agree with and they just put like, 
no and then a love heart (laughs) (laughs) so simple but you know exactly what that what that vibe is it's so perfect I love that the internet is good for things like that definitely so in our last episode before the end of 2020, we spoke about the special episode of Euphoria, uh, which centered around Rue and her sort of in-between story between seasons. Um, and we were looking forward to the second episode, special episode, which was centered around Jules, which came out in the last week. And I know we have both watched. Um, yeah. What did you think? Um, I thought that kind of um, stylistically, it was completely different different obviously from what we'd seen in the first episode like it was a lot more kind of like avant-garde and experimental um because it had those like breakaway like obviously most of it takes place in um the psychiatrist's office and with Jules and her psychiatrist but then it kind of breaks off and we see some scenes at home some kind of dream sequences where she's imagining what their life would be like in in New York with Rue and then um these kind of more like experimental abstract dream sequences where she's like part of the ocean and it's a little bit more like um experimental so I thought that was interesting because it it I think is indicative of how different those two characters are so that like you know we're not seeing um the exact same sort of style and and cinematography that usually links a whole series together and Euphoria is a lot more experimental with that like we said before they had that standalone episode where they're at the um, fairground which we're obsessed with and then they have um you know these standalone episodes that are completely different as well so I liked that because I already knew that I didn't know what to expect which I think kind of keeps you on your toes with a series and sort of shows I think as well when you are a teenager and you're going through stuff how you can feel so cut off from the world and that your experience is so singular to to you because obviously it it is in in a lot of ways or it can at least feel that way um so I think it was good that they sort of lent into lent into that um I think in terms of like getting to grips with the interior thoughts and feelings of a character um if I had to like prefer one over another which I'm not sure is like what this is about but if I had to I probably prefer the Rue one um because it just felt super um intimate and um small and and focused whereas this one um with Jules was a bit more kind of sprawling but I liked how it kind of gave us a bit more information about um her relationship with her mom and her relationship to her transness and how the the how she sees her relationship with Rue in complete opposition to like Rue's interpretation of it so um I think probably it just comes down to personal preference that like I enjoyed the style of um, Rue's one personally, but I think that they like both did the same kind of job, I suppose, but just in, in different ways. So um, yeah, what, what did you think? Yeah, well, I think um, like you said, the the fact that they are sort of, that they did the same job, but in different ways is indicative of the fact that they are trying to uh, show you their, their, their point of view and how, how, who these characters are in the world, which I think it did really well. I thought that, um, 
the I mean it sets the tone for the rest of the app when the beginning is just Lord liability playing over um an image of uh <laughs> Jules's eye and various sort of memories and, which I just you know was what, like, though? Oh god <laughs> that made me feel like I'm still relevant to the youth of today because honestly that I can't tell you that was just like such a sigh of relief I was like I know the song I know the album I know the words and I know what's happening and what all of this means like I'm not aged out yes okay yeah I don't think that was what I was meant to take from it primarily and yet that's what I did take from it primarily um well I'm pleased for you yeah no I thought that um I mean as with the Rue one though I was I was completely like transfixed to it I I, I don't know if like it was just like the mood I was in or something but I just couldn't I couldn't like take my eyes off it same with the Rue one I didn't look at my phone which at the moment I like will watch stuff but I'll be also looking at my phone at the same time because it's just you know that's the way the life is um and it takes quite a lot to hold my attention so I was impressed by that um I did I, I initially thought that when it sort of opened with her um when she was in the therapy session that it was going to be a similar style to the Rue one it was just going to be this one long conversation which it sort of was but then it did have a lot more of the interplaying scenes which um I was pleased about because I think it it does like show her character more um what I thought was really um interesting about it was that it was co-written by Hunter Schaefer as well as Sam Levinson so who plays Jules so a lot of the uh, her speaking about her transness her like relationship to femininity and and her relationship to men was is her her writing which I think is really interesting and I think it's really great that she was given the opportunity to do that and I saw an interview with her where she said that um at the time of like in lockdown when they first started like talking about writing these episodes and she was going to help out um she was feeling really unwell and was actually looking at like um committing herself to um an institution the hospital because she was worried about her mental health um but that in being given the i watched that as well yeah being given the scope to uh, focus on this writing project um with Sam Levinson she she had she used that as like her sort of I guess sort of like some therapy like as a processing uh element for her like whatever she was going through um and I thought that that was really interesting and I think it's really uh it's, you know it's quite a privilege to be able to like watch that um as you know a fan of the show or a fan of them as as people um and uh yeah I, I think it it came across like the Rue one um incredibly genuine um and real uh and yeah I I really really liked it um big fan of both of them uh but they are very they are quite different um in their their like style yeah and I I think as well I think as well what's interesting is when we see stories about um trans people and transness and um identity in that way often it's always about how someone who identifies as trans has to live in the world with other people's opinions of them and like how they have to kind of like move through the world affected by that um and I think that it was really interesting to hear a first person account that was all about how how Jules felt about herself rather than like things that might have been done to her or what people had said to her and obviously you know those two things aren't mutually exclusive and everything can kind of 
feed into each other or or not but I think that that was really interesting because you know it's the same as like what what they used to do with um like gay storylines and it'd always be about like the the whole conceit would be about when they were going to get found out or what other people would think or what they would say or you know that would be like the you know the what's at stake element of the storyline and I think what shows that we've kind of come a long way in some ways is that we are privy to like a more nuanced and personal account um that doesn't center other people's opinions in the same way as how we might have seen that done in the past yeah absolutely and that is um only ever going to be a positive isn't it um and yeah no I think that euphoria is an example of something that does that really really well um and you know hopefully uh like Hunter Schaefer will go on to do some more writing within the next season um I'm sure they probably will um and then therefore you know you get more of the genuine experience from someone who has actually gone through those things so um yeah big fan if if you liked Euphoria watch it if you haven't watched Euphoria we'll say it every time just watch it it's very very good (laughs) it's so good (laughs) and also it'll keep you young yeah it'll remind you that you are still young and relevant which is always (laughs) nice to remember (laughs) so aside from uh tv uh have you been listening to any new podcasts any good recs for the listeners well I have one or two you know me I love to find a new podcast so um one that I have uh, particularly been enjoying I know I've spoken about them on the podcast before uh, and that is Sophie Hagen so Sophie Hagen has a couple of podcasts and one of their new ones is called Bad People so um, it's on BBC Sounds and it's Sophie Hagen and Dr. Julia Shaw and they dissect criminal cases that shock, intrigue and scare us the most. So um, they take um, they take yeah criminal cases and look into the profiles of um, the perpetrators and kind of explore the psychology around in inverted commas bad people and it can be really really dark but then there is that levity which is sometimes lacking in um true crime podcasts from having Sophie Hagen who's a comedian on there as well but um you know it's not I think it I think it hits the right tone um and it it's interesting and you learn a lot of stuff as well and they've done a couple around the serpent which is a new series um on BBC iPlayer and BBC One um and they talk about some of the sort of bigger known crimes um, across the UK in our um, recent history. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, I would say go and check it out because I think it's kind of a good happy medium if you don't like the really sort of straight crew, true crime stuff um, and you want to have a bit of mix of like lighthearted chat as well and a few sort of like funny things, but kind of in mainly in good taste then I think it's kind of a good catch-all for a mix of those things so I've been enjoying listening to that and my second one I have been listening to you know I'm a I'm a fan of an interview format I do love to see that um so the one that I'm going to recommend next is um 
from comedian Tig Notaro, and it's called Don't Ask Tig. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to this. You have? No, I haven't, but um, I I have noted it as something to listen to. So yeah, so I'm just doing like you know when like you discover a podcast and then you can like cherry pick all of the like top people that you want to listen yeah. to first. So um, yeah. I've been doing that, and um, I've listened to ones with. Uh, um Jamila Jamil, Roxanne Gay, Stephen Colbert, one of my fantasy dads. Um, and yeah, I've just been enjoying listening to that. And I've also been listening to, which I do dip in and out of, Nicole Byer's Why Won't You Date Me? Um, which I think is really funny. And um I, I I'm just having a bit of a Nicole Byer moment at the moment where I've just been really enjoying her. So um I think if you're looking for a funny podcast that is in an interview format, then then go for that. But anything with Roxanne Gay and I'll listen to. So I've I've just been kind of doing the rounds and soaking up anything that um that she's been doing. So yeah, those are my recommendations. How about you? Oh, very, very good ones. Um yeah, I uh found Nicole Byer so funny on when she was on RuPaul. Uh the that was her right Nicole Byer yeah yes. she she's so funny um and I, I did think oh what what other things does she have so actually that is a good hot tip so I will be taking that thank you um, oh god like when she said that um she looked like she'd gone to the supermarket without a list that was that just ended me <laughs> so good like such a good description so funny yeah, uh, I have one podcast recommendation. I've been actually struggling to find new podcasts, or uh, at the moment, like I need to, I need to get back on it. Um, I got a new phone for for Christmas, and uh, I couldn't like remember all the podcasts that I usually listen to, which I think is indicative of maybe I didn't actually really want to listen to them. So yeah. the ones yeah. I had remembered, I already had. So I actually booted up my old phone last night and like like did some cross-referencing and was like, oh yeah. Mm. And then was like, no, I don't want to listen to that, which is you know, interesting. So um, yeah, I am always looking for new podcast recs, but um, right. Okay. I do have, I have one, I have, I have an episode recommendation from a podcast I've already talked about before, um, which is how I found my voice, which is like an interview style podcast. And I really, I don't want to be one to, uh, you know, really stick the fork in the falafel of, are we posh? But I did listen to Yotam Otolangi on, um, on how I found my voice and I, I as I was listening to it I was like oh this is you know here we are well, I covered it with a sumac yogurt <laughs> and marinated it for several hours and I found it um yes so if uh you are a food fan um you probably know Ottolenghi if you um who uh, produces some of the very nicest cookbooks has a chain of delis in london um likes to pile up a salad you know um yota motelangi is a uh, a lovely lovely food person but also is is gay so um relevant to this podcast so he um on how i found my voice they always talk about sort of like how they started up in their um in whichever sort of career they're in and stuff and it was a really interesting um uh, really interesting to hear him talk about like growing up in Jerusalem um, and then about like gay parenting. He's got two kids now and about how that was for them um, and about, you know, cooking and food as a sort of solace during um, the pandemic. Um, and he just talks really lovely, like really, really nicely about food. Um, and so if you're into food um, 
or you want to know some more about gay parenting etc then I would recommend that because uh he has some interesting things to say so yes that is my podcast recommendation for my sins (laughs) oh lovely no I mean I'm not gonna lie obviously I'll be listening to that so thank you so much for the recommendation and um if you're interested in Ottolenghi um make sure that you have a lot of time to go to the supermarket to buy the 76 ingredients that will be required to make one dish so yeah make sure you get your hands on some black tahini or you're fucked (laughs) (laughs) oh we we love you yo tam we we're just messing yeah we are messing we we we, i mean we i live and die by the otolangi sword so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so it's been a while olivia we have not i don't think talked about any books that we've read for a while and i know people know that we love to read lots of books um how were you pleased with your end of 2020 tally and how's your 2021 going so far I I was pleased but I think um last year was just so strange and unpredictable and although this year is strange and unpredictable as well I think I've kind of become used to the strange unpredictability of life now so I think that last year um I really read in in peaks and troughs. So when we had the, that gorgeous summer, I read loads because I'd be like getting up at 6am, going downstairs, just read, you know, like waking up when it was light. Um, and then I had like a lot of big gaps where I didn't read anything. So I did get to my 30, um, which was my goal of last year. But I've decided now what I want to try and do is... Um, try and work towards reading the same amount of books as the age I'll be by the end of the year oh that's a good yeah that's a good marker yeah yeah so I'm so for for every year that I've lived I'll try and read one book so um I know it's just like an abstract thing but whatever so um I'll be 32 in December um so I want to try and read 32 books by the end of this year um, so yeah I just finished number four so um if I go on at this clip I will do it but I know I won't like I'll I'll you know yeah. go off piste but um a couple of books um so one from this year and one oh yeah both of them are for them from this year actually so um a book that I've just finished is one that you bought me for my birthday um which is called Blue Ticket by Sophie McIntosh. So um, I don't know if you know much about this book already. I guess you know a bit because you bought it for me. But thank you so much. Um, But I really, really enjoyed it. You'll be pleased to know. And um, it was, it's very kind of Margaret Atwood, dystopian, women are treated not very well vibe um so if that's your clip then you'll enjoy this I say enjoy I mean do you enjoy a story like that I don't know but it's very interesting so um it it kind of exists around this premise that um the world is very much like the world that we live in normally or previously to the pandemic I suppose um the but the main difference being that um, personal choice um, is taken away from women in the sense of like, as soon as they start their period, um, so 12, 13, whatever, um, they go to this centre and they are given either a blue ticket or a white ticket. And a blue ticket means that 
you won't be having any children and you are able to live your life in every other single way, every other way as free as you would like to live it um, with that caveat that you can't have children. And that is like the only thing that's meant to be different. And the other one is a white ticket where you will be living that sort of more um, traditional path um, for a woman, um, which would be getting married, having children. So then you have a white ticket and the tickets are worn in a locket around these women's necks. And the book explores what happens when women or our woman decides that the life that they've had chosen for them is not the life that they wanted. So um, it follows mainly this one woman called Kala um, as she kind of takes the road untaken into what happens if you fight against um, this world order that they exist in under this under this structure. So it's kind of like a road novel. Um, a lot of it is traveling and, and I, I really enjoy that as like a format for a book. Um, and it, you know, makes you think, and I think it's really startling because so much of the book, so much of the book and what, what these women can do feels normal. It's not like the handmaid's tale, like in a way there's still loads of freedoms and a sense of normality yet something is wildly different. So, um, yeah, I won't talk about it anymore because I don't want to spoil it if people want to read it but um yeah it's an interesting book so I would recommend it um and that is what I have to say <laughs> well I'm very pleased that you enjoyed it um yeah I I basically read about it saw that it was sort of dystopic basically a bit sort of Atwood-esque but someone new and I thought oh yeah um I'll buy that for Olivia she can read it and tell me if it's good <laughs> so thank you so much for doing the work um and uh, I know it's the kind of thing that you enjoy and I enjoy a lot as well I I also I love a, a like road style uh, book film etc so um, yes I will be borrowing that from you thank you very much okay that is fine um, you can have it um, and on the subject of road books the second book that I wanted to talk about which was just fantastic I can't recommend this highly enough which is how much of these hills is gold by C Pam Zhang and it's so if you'd have said to me okay Olivia here's this book it's a western and you're just gonna absolutely be obsessed with it I'd be like mm, okay because I, I I don't normally read read novels about the American West like it's not really like it's not not something I like, but it's not a genre that I would necessarily gravitate to um, right off the bat if I was just going into a bookshop, say. But um, this book is amazing. So it's a Western novel, but it's kind of seen through through different eyes as to who we'd normally see maybe a Western novel um, traditionally. Okay. Um, so it kind of it tells the story of Lucy and Sam who are two siblings and it starts with them basically dragging their dad's corpse around the American West 
and that's how it starts and then it goes back in time to um, unravel how they got to be in that position and then it goes up to the future again but um there's a lot in there about um race and identity and um gender presentation and trauma and a lot of the kind of more um contemporary topics that are covered in you know critically acclaimed books of the day but it's through this more traditional setting of the American West and I think this kind of like using the American West as a vehicle for those kind of topics are really interesting and it's something that I don't think has been done before in this way and the characters are so compelling and it's just kind of reveals layer after layer of information that sort of enriches the plot as as you go along and the way that kind of goes back and forth in time and adds all of this context um was just really really compelling to read and it just felt like it was something really different and unexplored so um there's you know Obviously, like I said, there are some areas that discuss topics of um, gender identity and, and presentation. So I think um, from a queer longing point of view, it's definitely sort of like pertinent and hopefully relevant to, to, to some of us and some of our listeners. So um, I would definitely recommend it. It's a really good book. Nice. Um, I uh, personally, I, I love the American West and all about it. I think it's a fascinating time um, period. And I think I can I can see how... Uh, some of those exploring some of those themes through that period like uh, would be really interesting and I have heard nothing but praise for that book so I will definitely be reading it sometime soon so I'm very excited about that very um sort of uh synergously if that's even a word my two books can bounce off yours perfectly so um I read this is just a short story but speaking of the American West I read the original story Brokeback Mountain um by Annie Perrault which is just a short story in one of her collections um but uh I have been thinking about Brokeback Mountain a lot uh, recently and how I really wanted to re-watch it um and how I wanted to read the book and I found the book at home and was like yes um Didn't she and- say something about Brokeback Mountain that like she wished she'd written it differently or something yeah so I think she uh Annie Perrault is like a notorious uh notoriously quite like sardonic character um and I think she recently said that she wished she'd never written it because she didn't I don't think she particularly she I think she thinks people want it to end differently and they want it to be different and that she's like well too bad that's not what happens to my characters stop trying to rewrite my characters um she's very protective of them um so yeah she she did say that quite recently as well I think um but her writing is um really really nice and really beautiful uh it does the thing I love uh which I've talked about before on this podcast where it's like a mix of you know a bit of plot uh like uh mixed with really heavy um like descriptions of scene scenery um and uh particularly obviously they're in the mountains um and it just has some passages that really like uh blew me away uh, in terms of their sort of like scenery and also the sort of romance the uh, the burgeoning romance between the two men in this so um yeah I can highly recommend if you're at all interested in Robot Mountain to read the original story um is it is it very different from the film 
well, I haven't seen the film in so long and I've only seen it once that I cannot say for certain yes or no. I think the basic plot points are the same. Yes. Uh, uh, From what I remember. But I I honestly saw the film so long ago uh, and would and desperately want to rewatch it, which I will be doing soon. Um, I had a I had a dream that I was on the train with Heath Ledger last night, so it's weird that you've mentioned that. Really, that is that yeah. is odd. Yeah, what a connection. Odd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then um, I also read a book, uh, which so Blue Ticket. Uh, you said it's all about sort of uh, bodily autonomy and um, the female body and being able to have children, etc. And I read. Um, Breasts and Eggs. Dying to read that book. Yeah, by Mako Kawakami, um, which is so good. So, so, so good. So it basically just takes place in in Tokyo. It's about like one woman. Um, You can sort of separate the two books into one that's entitled Breasts, one that's entitled Eggs. Um, And actually, originally, it was just a short story called Breasts. And then she got uh, commissioned to do a longer story. So she put in eggs as well um but i think they work really well together they have um uh very you know similar themes but um ultimately that it's about this one character's um sort of questioning of uh does she or does she not want children i have this body that can create them um i do i want to do that does she uh want to do it alone does she want to do it with somebody else um and um i just think it, it's a really really uh good uh depiction of like somebody's uh, inner th- thoughts of like trying to weigh up what their future is going to look like uh ultimately in terms of whether or not they want children um and yeah I, I would really really recommend it to um well to anyone um and it reads so easily uh and I uh, also just on a personal note I'm obsessed with anything that's set in like a big Asian city because it makes me feel very um, away from here which is nice uh, yeah. so yeah uh, it's really really good and um, I'll lend you my copy so that you can read it because I, th- I think I think you'd really enjoy it and get a lot from it so oh yeah um, bring bring the books back I will um, and then also just quickly I got for Christmas um, The Price of Salt which is the oh, yeah. Patricia, Patricia Highsmith High novel, which the film Carol is based on. Um, I, I specifically haven't read it yet because I wanted a copy of the book called The Price of Salt. I didn't want it to be called Carol um, because I think The Price of Salt is Carol one, thing. yeah. Um, and I also... Yeah, I don't know why... Why did... Sorry. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I also really don't I'm, like... I'm just... <laughs> We're on a lag, right? I'm just going to shut up. Right, go on. I also really don't like books that have like the picture from a film on the front. Like I really don't no, like that. That's horrible. And, yeah. So, but my sister, um, we watched Carol together uh, uh, last year, and she heard me say that, and like a very good present giver, took down a note and then bought me The Price of Salt. So Aww. I read that, um, and uh, it's really good. It's it's quite it's it's quite different from the film. Um, and I personally like the film more, but I think that's because the film is my was my introduction to the characters in the story. And also I think it kind of a bit modernizes and centralizes their story and their romance in a way that the book doesn't really. If you know anything about Patricia Highsmith, she was um sort of main sort of known for probably being queer, but never really being out. Um, and a lot of her books explore that 
but in a way that's a bit um, guarded, um, which you can tell. Uh, so yeah, yeah, but this it's really good, and her writing is 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 amazing, and um, there's some really really lovely passages about like falling in love and about realizing that you might be um, queer um, or falling in love with a woman when you never thought that that would be the case. Um, yeah, so I would definitely recommend it if you're a fan of the film because it you know gives you a more rounded view of it. Um, and also, once you've seen the film, you can read it and just picture those characters and, you know, picture Kate Blanchett all the time. She's stunning. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, be, I'll good. be picturing my Sims characters. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Um, yes. So, yeah, those are the those are the relevant books I have read for Queer Longing. So, Lucy, now we're on to track of the week. And I was toying really this week because you did send me possibly the best song I'd ever listened to yesterday, which... <laughs> Please explain to the listeners what what graced my WhatsApp yesterday. I we should put wa- it in the notes. We need to put it in the notes anyway, because it's just oh, so good. It's going in the notes. Um I I too was toying, so this is interesting. Um I yeah, I saw I saw it and instantly was like, I'm sending it to Olivia. Um so uh so uh oh god, okay. So I've talked about on this podcast before the show Succession, and I know that you are now currently watching Succession. I've been watching the second season as well at the same time. Um, and in Succession, there is a character called Cousin Greg, who is just everything, if you know anything about <laughs> Succession. The just, only redeemable character yes, in the whole Yes, and just a, a, just a stunning embodiment of a human. Um, and uh, he is played by uh, an actor called Nicholas Braun, who um, in uh, doing some research, uh, it came to light to me that he, during the pandemic, uh, during lockdown and stuff last summer, uh, wrote and recorded and uh, filmed a video (laughs) for a sort of comedy punk rock song called Antibodies Brackets Do You Have The? which is a sort of, uh, if anything, Olivia, um, and this is sort of an inside joke, it's absolutely a love song for the new millennium. It <laughs> really is. And it's it's the brackets for me. I've said it once and I'll say it again. It's the, the brackets. brackets. Truly make the, it. The video is hilarious. So he gets um, like fans, I guess, of his or people on social media that follow him to like send in that like same refrain that he uses of like the antibodies do you have there and um what is it that he says of like um has your blood got the stuff or something yeah, and he says i want i want to know your blood has the stuff uh yeah. before something or that. yeah and like the main refrain the main refrain is do you have the antibodies um do you want to be with me um and then like and then he's like if, if you don't you better uh stay away stay away but my my, my favorite lyric is actually the <laughs> is the bridge where he says where he sings can you find a testing site before you spend the night <laughs> just so brilliant. um yeah, yeah and, and i think you know if if you're dating in lockdown this is the perfect song just you know just forward this link to your potential significant other and it really just has that awkward conversation for you but through the medium of pop punk so really could you ask for anything more no is the answer no it's the perfect um thing for for these times and for people like us who are big pop punk fans um I was like floored by it I couldn't believe like how funny I thought it was and like it just really made me like supremely happy and and it was a COVID thing that I thought was really funny and good which doesn't usually happen so um yeah no 
totally recommend and I I was trying to decide if it would be my track of the week and I think I don't think I can say it isn't because it, it is I've literally I've woken up every morning and it's in my head <laughs> yeah all right well should we just should we sack our other ones off and say that this is because I'll, I won't be as enthused about anything else as I am about this so it might as well just be the track of the week this week exactly so our track of the week is <laughs> antibodies do you have to <laughs> <laughs> And please, we implore you, go and watch the video. And it's funny, isn't it? Like like you're saying, like there's been a handful of sort of good COVID internet things. Because, yeah. you know, as we get further and further on, it's just hard to be funny about any of this. But um, when I was watching it, I noticed that it was five months old. And I thought, this still, this still hits. So thank you so much, Cousin Greg. We appreciate you. Yes, absolutely. Big round of applause. Thank you so much. And on to, I mean, if Cousin Greg comes in at number two for our musical inspiration, then there can only be one other that can top our chart. It's time for... Celine Watch! So um, through a gorgeous twist of fate, Lucy, um, we were struggling to find a Celine Watch for this week, but our guardian angel in the form of Jamie Stewart, um, fan of the podcast, um, came up trumps for us this week. So would you like to introduce this week's Celine Watch? Yes, absolutely. Um, Literally on the dot of me sending you a Zoom link uh, in order to, to start this record, I was frantically, as ever, searching the internet for some Celine news. And he sent this uh, video to us, which honestly, it's, it's, we couldn't ask for more. Thank you so much. You are such a, um, a beloved patron of the podcast. Um, and what he sent to us was a, he unearthed, someone has unearthed on Twitter, a video of Celine Dion, um, in full, uh, well, how would, she, how would she, well, in full Madonna garb, um, singing Papa Don't Preach, uh, and it's, it's just, it's everything. Um, it, it really is very, very, very good performance, where two icons collide. Yeah, and I've never, never seen it before, and I believe it is archive footage from the 80s, so... Yeah. It was definitely old, like eighties, and 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 I wonder if it's like, is it from something bigger? Did she do a medley? Like what? What more was she is in there? Stars in Their Eyes? I don't know. <laughs> exactly, we don't know. But it is a very great video, and if you're you know wanting to keep your Celine uh, content topped up, it you know it, it pushes those buttons for the week. So we'll put it. Yeah, and if, the, if you want to have the... like a mashup of icons, that's always good. Always good, always good. So yeah, thank you for coming through, Celine in the 80s and Jamie today. <laughs> so I think that's all we have time for this week, Lucy. Um, and as you say, next time we'll be knees deep in February. And how good is that going to feel? We'll be mere days away from the love sausage, won't we? So that's something to look forward to. Always a highlight in my calendar. <laughs> uh, and whilst... <laughs> so whilst we dream of a love sausage near you we will be loving you leaving you and longing for you until next time bye Bye. i just never imagined how we're gonna do it and yet and yet and yet and yet and yet and yet here we are yeah no we we always pull it out the bag yeah. <laughs> true professionals <laughs>